You are listening to Keystone Stock Talk Podcast, episode 134. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.keystocks.com. Come back often, and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at Keystocks and on Facebook or via our 24-hour streaming radio station, pennystocks.fm. And keep submitting your stocks via the usual social channels or at our website, keystocks.com, for our Your Stock Artake segment. And we just might review your stock in an upcoming show and let you know if it is a buy, sell, or hold. This week, we start with a brief discussion regarding Warren Buffett's right-hand man's Charlie Munger's comments on trading platforms such as Robinhood. For the second week in a row, our star of the week is a company directly from our Canadian small cap growth stock research, Adcore Inc., symbol ADCO on the TSX Venture, a profitable digital advertising or ad tech company, which was recommended to clients just one year ago this month at 69 cents. Adcore shares jumped 47% this week, have jumped 138% this month, and are up 315% over the past year since our recommendation. Congrats to all clients who own this stock. In our Your Stock Our Take segment, Aaron answers a question on TripAdvisor, Inc., symbol TRIP on the NASDAQ, one of the world's leading travel platforms. The website and app provides travelers with more than 878 million reviews on 8.8 million hotels, restaurants, airlines, cruises, and experiences. The stock has surged on optimism of travel normalizing over time. Has it come too far too fast? We will let you know. Finally, Brennan answers a listener question on Jack Nathan Medical Corp. JNH symbol on the TSX Venture, an omni-channel healthcare provider that builds turnkey, barrier-free medical and dental clinics in high-density centers in Canada and internationally. Does its growth by acquisition model offer potential value? We take a look. I'd like to welcome my co-hosts, Brennan and Aaron. How are you two doing? How was your week? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. Anything interesting going on in your lives? Absolutely nothing. Well, I mean, Brennan, sorry, I know there's like, nothing going on there. So, Whoa, wow, I wow. Know. I mean, it feels like spring in Saskatchewan. Because so, it's minus uh, 12 only? Exactly, yeah. yeah it's so you guys are out there in, and, your, uh, in your shorts and no and shirt. T-shirts yeah. and, yeah, yeah, Speedos on Pantless. and all. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. no, it's good. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I got the spring itch, there's no doubt. And uh, yeah. The spring itch, eh? Spring itch, a spring yeah. itch in a speedo. That looks really. I, that's an image I don't want to have. So yeah, yeah and Aaron, anything thanks, new thanks with you? Thanks for that, Ryan. Thanks. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> hey, he provided it. So I just, oh, that's good. You can't write this stuff. No, uh, anything new with you, Aaron? No, nothing. All good. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, at all. I didn't yeah. think so. I didn't think so. L- literally nothing. Well, no, you had some meat delivered ahead, ahead of the broadcast. I did. That's the most exciting thing. The meat delivery was the most exciting yes, thing that's well. happened today so far. Actually, that's not true. I, I, I'm, I'm working on a U.S. Uh, dividend special report. So we well, let's get with back to that companies. meat delivery, though. Yeah, Forget exactly. about the right. U.S. report. That's what people are. No, that is it. Is so interesting. That is exciting we, we're when happy. I'm looking at, at, at companies and, mm-hmm. and coming up with ideas and 
figuring out you know how to put together a portfolio of, of U.S. dividend growth stocks and um, that's focused and and gives people good exposure to different industries and some income and a growing stream of dividends. So that's about as exciting as it gets for me. And mm-hmm. no, it is exciting though. It's I I'm, we really do look forward to the reports. And uh, I mean myself and Brandon keeping busy. We interviewed a company this morning. Can't tell you it's a new company. Potentially new coverage coming through. We. Uh, the management team screened pretty well, so it was a good call. Good call. Yeah, I enjoyed now, it. Now, yeah, it was. I uh, now we're going to talk briefly at the start about uh, Charlie Munger, uh, the vice chair of Berkshire Hathaway, uh, longtime business partner of Warren Buffett. He issued some strong condemnation of the businesses he said enabled the frenzy or the recent frenzy of speculative trading by retail investors, namely the Wall Street bets, the GameStop, those headline. Uh, that he's a he's 97 year old investor he's been around the block a few times speaking during the q a period at, at the annual general meeting um of shareholders of the daily journal corporation in los angeles he talked about the recent run-up in these heavily shorted stocks like GameStop. i'm going to read his comments here because i think they're pretty instructive uh, he said, that's the kind of thing that can happen when you get a whole lot of people who are using liquid stocks to gamble the way they would be betting on racehorses. And the frenzy is fed by people who are getting commissions and other revenues out of this new bunch of gamblers. And of course, when things get extreme, you have things like that short squeeze. It's not generally noticed by the public, but clearing houses clear all these trades, he said. And when you get as crazy as they were in this event, you're talking about there are threats of clearinghouses failure. So it gets very dangerous, he said. Now, he re- went on to say that it gets really stupid to have a culture which encourages as much gambling in stocks by people who have the mindset of racetrack betters. And of course, it's going to create trouble. And we saw it do that as it did, he says. He said he had a very simple idea on the subject. I think you should try to make your money in this world by selling other people things that are good for them, he said. And if you are selling them gambling services where you rake profits off the top, like many of these new brokers who specialize in luring gamblers in, I think it's a dirty way to make money, and I think that we're crazy to allow it. So now I'm going to give my quick thoughts on that, then I'll let you guys talk as well. Um, a little bit. You can talk a little. I won't let you talk that much, though. But my, my take on trading apps generally. Uh, the, now, the access for everyone that platforms such as Robinhood provide is great in theory. But for them to make money, they need transaction volume, essentially. To the upside or the downside, it does not matter. Just volume. Now, however well intended these platforms may have been or are, Ultimately, they make more money the higher the trading volumes. It becomes trading. And today, these apps producing digital confetti and shiny emojis on each buy and sell, it is more akin to gambling. This is not good for investing in the new investors that enter the market over the long term. Now, there are countless studies. We went over them many times on this show uh, on trading as a strategy to make money for the average investor. It simply does not work full stop over the long term. If these apps promote trading, which is what many of them do, and trading has been proven to be an incredibly difficult, if not impossible strategy to make money in the stock market long term, then I agree. It becomes a dirty way to make money. The stock market, if looked at properly, properly, can be a great way to create wealth over the long term. 
opening it up to everyone makes making access simple for everyone is a great idea. But selling them on risky, unprofitable strategies, that defeats the purpose and will destroy their wealth over the long term. What is needed here is education. If you get Robinhood or Wealthsimple, you need to educate yourself on investing versus trading. Uh, it is a great deal it is a great deal simpler to invest than you might think. And it's one thing we can help you with. And to segue into, we have some upcoming seminars targeting investing versus trading. Really looked at how investing can create wealth over the long term. So we're targeting April 6th and April 13th for those educating investors on how to build that 15 to 25 stock portfolio. What type of companies to look at over what period of time to build that portfolio. Really simply putting it together into a two-hour segment with some Q&A at the end like we always do. We really look forward to doing that. But I'd like your comments, you guys' comments on uh, Charlie Munger's comments on these uh, firms, that these new trading-based platforms, essentially. From my perspective, it's good that uh, people are you know, getting some exposure to the market because from a young age, you know, even if you lose some money, um, you know, at least you're, you're understanding the market, seeing how it works. And hopefully that sets you up to, uh, you know, uh, maybe invest properly for the future, you know, sort of like a keystone approach. Um, now, you know, back to like wealth simple, one thing that I found, uh, interesting about wealth simple is they actually, they have zero trading commissions, uh, all over their marketing campaigns where, you know, they're telling traders join us zero trading commissions. Well, I didn't realize those zero trading commissions are actually only on stocks in Canada. Uh, so, you know, they're enticing people in with that. Uh, and then, you know, of course, there's going to be trading commissions in the U.S. Uh, or trade if, if these individuals are trading uh, U.S. stocks, um, you know, and especially just like what we've seen recently with GameStop and all those companies, uh, there are going to be trading commissions on those companies. So, you know, they're kind of luring people in saying you're not going to be trading any commissions. Uh, and then, you know, they're slapping on the commissions on the U.S. stocks where a lot of these, you know, big spec names uh, are. Um, so, you know, I, I kind of find that a little dirty. Now, as well with Wealthsimple, you know, something else that I, I think is a little dirty, too, is they always they've got this marketing campaign right now where they're saying uh, the top traded stocks in Canada right now, uh, you know, realistically people shouldn't really care too much about what stock is being traded the most right now by new users they should be looking for profitability and cash flow and good growing businesses you know get rid of this nonsense and all this hype um anyways that's just my little rant and two cents yeah i mean like we said inherently the platforms themselves aren't evil or an access for everyone is great it's just <laughs> they are set up to make money off the volume of trading, you know, and it's just it, you know, trading doesn't work over the long term. So, uh, you know, they're going to be induced to have people buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. And uh, yeah, that's just, uh, you know, I, I'm y your thoughts on that, Aaron? Well, I mean, there's, there's there's a lot to unpack here, right? I mean, in, in this whole situation. So when he says that it's a dirty way to make money. I would agree that that's a dirty way to make money. He's referring to Wall Street bets and in terms of the, the market manipulation, everybody colluding to drive these highly shorted share, share prices up, forcing people to cover those short yeah, positions. Yeah, I think he's more talking about the 
clipping that little percentage off, um, you know, that the Robinhood is making, for example, on these trades and encouraging people to trade, 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 trade. Right. Yes. Essentially. So, so yeah. So that 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 is a dirty way to make money. And honestly, there there should be some regulation in terms of how you encourage people to trade. Um, so versus if, if invest, he, like we try to educate. If he's referring on to um, it not being or it should not be allowed. Uh, I'm not sure if he's referring to the marketing campaigns that encourage a trading and speculative attitude, or if he's referring to those trading platforms to begin with. But I mean, I will say that I don't necessarily have a problem with trading itself. I mean, some people like to trade. Most people that trade are not going to make money long term. And I think that it's a lot of work. But uh, the thing that makes a market work, any market, including the stock market, is that the different participants in the market behave differently. If everybody was the same, if everybody was a value investor or everybody was a, a growth value investor or everybody was uh, a specific type of technical analyst, analyst, trades wouldn't get done, right? You need people interacting with differences of opinion, different time horizons, different risk levels. Um, so trading in and of itself is not necessarily something that I see as is, is, is bad for the market. I actually think that it can have a positive effect Good on point. the market. Um, but I certainly have an issue with companies that are offering these trading platforms engaging in highly, highly persuasive marketing campaigns that actually encourage people to pursue uh, investment strategies which probably aren't going to work out for them and which they may not have pursued if not for these marketing strategies. So in that respect, I absolutely agree with them 100%. There, there needs to be regulation. And I mean, honestly, it's something that's fairly, it shouldn't be that complicated to, to regulate. I mean, you're not telling people what they can and can't do. You're telling large organized businesses that they can't manipulate people into making decisions that um, they know are probably not in, the, in, in their customers' best interests. I mean, to to an extent. I mean, that that's that that's essentially what was done with the smoking industry, right? Other industries as well. As there was regulation on the way that they could advertise. Um, so maybe that needs to be applied to this. Yeah, I mean, and there's an ad. There's an ad running out there right now that I've seen many times. Just saying, I'm not going to say who it's from, but. Says uh, basically to the effect something to the effect of I can buy a share in Air Canada for less than it costs to buy a salad right now. I mean the question of yes well, you that's can not a share. on a platform like that. You mean a, a fractional I mean, share? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's expensive salad, but um, <laughs> but the the question should be should you like who cares if you can? The question is, is should you buy that? Should you like? And and that's how you have to look at the markets. Just because you can buy a share in Air Canada for the same price as it costs to buy a salad or, you know, like it, it, you know, that's a $26 salad or $25 salad, but should you be doing that? And that's the way you should look at investing. Should you be putting your hard earned dollars behind the business of Air Canada or the business of any stock out there? And if you're just encouraged to buy it for the sake of, you know, buying and making, selling in and out of a company, that's not investing. So, I mean, and this, if you believe the studies, which I do, and I've seen them out there and we've went over them many times, if trading doesn't work and these applications are encouraging average investors, people who have just started in the market to trade, it is 
it's not the best way to make money, in my opinion. No, and and I'll I'll compare trading, and it's not going to like end gambling. well for those people. No, for the vast yeah. majority, I would agree, it's not going to end well. I would I would consider trading something you know akin to gambling, or even something that's maybe even closer to poker, where there's maybe a little bit there is some skill involved. Um, there's there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of uncertainty. Um, there may be some people, a small number of people, that are able to consistently make money off of it. Maybe not, um, but there may be. But the majority of people um, are not going to make money as professional poker players or professional gamblers. Um, they may make money from time to time. They may enjoy doing it. And as long as they only um, they only spend as much money on it as as the that enjoyment is worth, and they're not seeing it as an investment, then I, I see nothing wrong with it. It's when you start confusing gambling with investing. And then you start making foolish decisions like putting more money than you can afford to lose in a highly speculative, uh, highly speculative yeah, situation. When you leverage, you put leverage into the equation, which these apps have the ability for you to do is leverage and use options and all that is layering on risk onto risk. And uh, it, for me, I, I just think that we can provide a level of education if somebody wants to have access. The access is good. But just because you can buy Air Canada doesn't mean you should. Just because you can buy Royal Bank or just because you can buy XYZ Mining Inc. doesn't mean you can or should. You just need to look at it like an investment. You're plunking down your hard-earned dollars. Look at the business behind the symbol of all these and whether or not you want to own them over the long term. Because if you find the right companies, you can create wealth. The stock market could be a powerful wealth creator. But don't treat it like a game. Because it's not, and uh, more people will lose than win if you treat it like a game. That's the way I look at the markets. That's the way I've looked at it for 22 years. And you know, can continue to evolve those strategies, and we'll talk about our strategies again in our April 6th and 13th seminars coming up. Uh, and you'll see, find more information of those on our site soon and also uh, just on this podcast, so keep listening. Let's move to our star of the week. From our Stars and Dogs segment, it's time for this week's Star. Star. And it does, again, come from our coverage, which is great to see. AdCore Inc., symbol ADCO on the TSX Venture, trading around $2.90, $162 million market cap. Again, firstly, congratulations to all clients who own this stock, which was recommended one year ago at $0.69. Cents. AdCurse. Of course, shares jumped 47% this week, 138% this month, and 315% over the past year since our recommendation. What does AdCore do? Established in 2006, the company's headquartered in Tel Aviv and provides machine learning-powered advertising technologies used by digital agencies and advertisers to leverage digital marketing in an effortless and accessible way with the goal of scaling activity and maximizing ROI. AdCore is a certified Google Premier Partner, Microsoft Partner, Facebook Partner, and TikTok Partner. Some recent news. This week, um, AdCore announced that it had uh, secured a conditional approval to uh, have its shares now trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange and graduate from the TSX Venture. Now, in November, the company stated that despite the global pandemic, the business was on track to report 15% year-over-year annual growth, 
which would equate to strong Q4 revenue growth. The rebound for the company that was experienced in Q3 seemed to accelerate into Q4, positioning the company for those record numbers in uh, Q4. Uh, direct clients and e-commerce activities were up dramatically, it seemed, this holiday season as people were online, driven online, and uh, more advertisers use the online platforms, obviously, than in person or, or uh, traditional media. Now, we recently updated the stock to clients, and if management executes, there is long-term upside in the stock, but the company's gains, that's what we're really talking about. This week on the TSX and its TSX listing, make it our star of the week. And we reiterate, reiterate our congratulations to clients who have seen this investment appreciate over 300% in one year since our recommendation at 69 cents just in February of last year. Fantastic. And and another thing to note is that when you were talking about what the company did, there are some buzzwords in there too, like machine learning, uh, which is artificial intelligence. People tend to hear about these really exciting themes and then they want to buy companies that that obviously operate in those themes where they think that they're going to benefit from them but a lot of times they end up buying companies that aren't actually making money doing those things and deploying those technologies such a good point yeah, yeah. and yeah. and whereas whereas this is an example of a company that is in an exciting theme using high technology on the cutting edge so to speak and but at the same time is still an established business generating revenue generating profitability, growing the revenue, growing the earnings per share, and meeting Keystone's very stringent criteria for investment. And that just goes yeah. to show you don't have to buy those highly speculative companies to get exciting returns and even invest in exciting areas of the market. Yeah, and there was a real, real uh, opportunity in the business, particularly this time last year, is you know you had a cash-rich balance sheet, profitable business, and a track record of being profitable. And you know at that time, trading at very you know low relative valuations. So, and the, the stock has done probably better than we would expect it over the past year. But you know when you you add you know good little businesses that have good profitability, good earnings, good growth, and a path for growth ahead of them if that's 15 to 25 stocks in your portfolio that have that you know you you want some large businesses too that have those same criteria as well and some dividend payers as the core that have that same criteria and that same that same profile behind them you know 15 to 25 we believe over time the more you add like that with that profile your portfolio has that fighting chance to beat the market over the long term yeah, exactly. And if I could just add my two cents, it's like, you know, all of those factors coming together, those exciting themes that Aaron was saying, you know, the runway for growth, which you were just talking about, Ryan. And then, you know, just a couple months ago, the stock, I believe, was trading at like a nine times EV to EBITDA. So, you know, when you combine all of these things, you know, it, it kind of tells an investor, wow, there might be an opportunity here when a stock is only trading at, you know, such a low EV to EBITDA multiple. Um, anyway, yeah, and people yeah, ask yeah, all and the time, they, they bring up some of our top recommendations and like what like do you know that it's going to turn out like that when you invest the company like how do you know beforehand like what do i look for in a company it's like well you never really i mean we never invest in a company with an anticipation of getting a, a two three hundred percent return um in, in a year in, in, no. in a year no like yeah, that's exactly. that's not typically what we do but the profile of the company is what mm -hmm. um gives us the opportunity to make those returns so 
Once again, yeah, it's revenue, so key. revenue from, from commercial operations, profitability from continual operations, growth in revenue, growth in earnings per share, a good balance sheet, a visible pathway to future growth, and a reasonable valuation, or at least not yeah. grossly overvalued. And those are, those are the, you know, if you, the more companies you add with that profile, not every company, management won't execute perfectly. The industry will turn against them. So if you have 15 stocks that you buy, anyone who tells you they can have 15 stocks and you're all going to go up in a year, I'd walk out of the room because that's not possible. And four of them will probably not do well for some reason that may be difficult to control. But if you know the other 11 do reasonably well and two or three of those do very well, uh, that's what we're trying to do and pull up your ter- returns over the long term. And that is, you know, that is key to the strategy. There's the research and then there's, which is the primary source of how we try to beat the market over the long term. But then there's the implementing that strategy into that 15 to 25 stock portfolio. And we talk about that all the time and we'll be talking about that at some upcoming seminars. So hopefully we'll see all of our listeners there. Uh, now we're going to move on. We've got another Your Stock, Our Take segment, a couple companies here. It's time we answer a question on Your Stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. Aaron's going to start with TripAdvisor. You want to take that one? Certainly. So TripAdvisor, Inc., the symbol is TRIP, T-R-I-P. It trades at about $48, $49 per share. It's a $6.5 billion market cap. And TripAdvisor is the world's leading travel platform. The website and app provide travelers with more than 878 million reviews and 8.8 mi- on 8.8 million hotels, restaurants, airlines, cruises and experiences. In 2019, 60% of revenue was from the hotel media and platform segment. So this includes hotel revenue generated through advertising as well as commissions on bookings. The other 29%, uh, another 29% was from the experiences and dining segment. TripAdvisor is a topical company to discuss right now. Travel companies have been some of the hardest hit through the pandemic as almost everybody has been staying close to home. Uh, but now we, we may be seeing some, some light at the end of the tunnel. We have vaccines rolling out with some success. And Johnson & Johnson just recently had their new COVID-19 vaccine approved by the FDA as safe to use. Many people are expecting this summer to be at least an improvement over last year's summer. And certainly the prospects for travel should continue to improve over the next 12 to 18 months. People have been locked in their homes for a year now. They want to travel. Travel destinations want tourist dollars. There's a big possibility of a boom in the travel industry once the restrictions get lifted. Where does this leave the travel companies? In the case of TripAdvisor, investors appear optimistic, although maybe a little too optimistic. TripAdvisor could have been a star this week as the stock price is up 29% over the last five trading days and 120% over the last 12 months. It is not a surprise to us, however, that, the share, that these share price gains have not been the result of improving financial performance. Q4 results were released on February 18th. The revenue was down 65% for the quarter, down 61% for the year. The company reported a loss of $167 million for the year compared to earnings of $250 million in the previous year, 2019. These, no, these numbers are not a surprise. We know that the industry is suffering and we absolutely expected to see big drops in revenue and negative earnings until things recover. The surprise to me is where the share price is today. The stock price today is back where it was trading in November of 2019. This is pre-pandemic. 
The company today is trading at the same price it traded at when it was reporting more than double the revenue, was producing positive earnings and free cash flow, and when there was none of the uncertainty associated with the pandemic. Clearly, investors are looking forward, and the assumption that financials will start to improve substantially over the next 12 to 18 months, I think is reasonable. However, I don't think it's reasonable to assume that revenue and profit will be back up to pre-pandemic levels during this period. It is possible, but there's still too many unknowns to bet on that. And even if revenue and earnings do fully recover, you're still paying a significant valuation at the current price relative to pre-pandemic earnings. Investors also have to consider the fact that there was very little to no growth in revenue and earnings in the few years leading up to the pandemic. The company's share price actually peaked in 2014 and has been on a fairly consistent slide downwards uh, even before the pandemic was a factor. Investors have to ask themselves what they are buying and what they are paying for it. I have little doubt that TripAdvisor's revenue and, er and earnings will reco recover quite a bit over the next one to two years. But it's fairly clear that this recovery is already being factored into the share price. And honestly, I don't see any value here. Yeah, I would agree. I looked at those financials over the past. Like if you look from 2017 to 2019, uh, $1.55 billion in revenues 2017, $1.6 in 2018, then $1.56 in 2019. So literally no growth over that period. Uh, and yet it's trading at uh, right back to where it was pre-pandemic. Um, there wasn't growth in this business over the three years prior to that. So getting any type of growth multiple and recovering beyond basically where you were pre-pandemic uh, really doesn't make much sense to me. Like There is, like you said, there will be a return to more positive revenues. They will recover, but you've already had the share price and the valuation on the business is where, at where this business was prior to the pandemic. It doesn't make much sense. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot, a lot of people are going to be scared to kind of get back into traveling too. Um, like I know from, from my parents, for example, you know, I, I know that they're definitely going to be taking a long break from traveling here for a That's while. That's a good point. Yeah, you like, see that. Me, for, even, me, for even... example, I'm taking a trip as soon as I can. Like, Ryan, you're with me, right? We're going, <laughs> yeah. we're going out of yeah, Vegas or we're something. We're going. But, we're getting uh, the hell out of here. Too. But, <laughs> Perfect. But, but that's a good point, though. A lot of people might not be comfortable doing it, right? Even when restrictions yeah. are lifted and, and vax, vaccines are, are widely available. So, um, yeah, and the tourism's thing, gonna recover. And the it point, doesn't recover hundred to hundred percent of the pre-pandemic level. The point you're making too is even if they return right to pre-pandemic levels, if everybody starts traveling again, I mean there's gonna be pent up, right? But if they re return, mm -hmm. uh, it's still at or above those levels already in a business that didn't have much growth. So yeah. or at all. So yeah, not 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 a company that we see value in at this present point. So, Brennan, you're going to take away the next segment. It's time we answer a question on your stock in a little segment we like to call Your Stock, Our Take. Buy, sell, or hold. You've got a, a look at a, an interesting kind of microcap company, Jack Nathan Medical Corporation. Yeah, so Jack Nathan Medical Corp, JNH, on the TSX Venture Exchange, currently trading at a price of $0.85 cents and has a market cap of around $67 million. 
now, Jack Nathan Medical Corp is an omni-channel healthcare provider that builds turnkey, barrier-free medical and dental clinics in high-density centers in Canada and internationally. The company delivers a seamless patient experience, whether the patient connects online from a mobile device, a laptop, or in one of its state-of-the-art clinics within the Walmart footprint. Uh, JNH currently has about 76 clinics across Canada and owns and operates six clinics in Mexico with another 50 in development. Now, a few key points here on the company. Uh, the business has actually been located in Walmart since 2006, which I think is uh, pretty interesting. And it's planning on expanding its operations to Europe, Asia Pacific, and Mexico uh, through both organic growth and M&A. Now, JNH also launched its telehealth virtual care on March 17th, where they are uh, promoted on Walmart's website. And on May 15th, uh, JNH partnered with Prescribe IT, allowing people to get their prescriptions electronically, uh, which is pretty convenient. Now, just looking at the company's financial results uh, for Q3 of 2020, revenue was approximately 993,000, up about three and a half percent from the same quarter last year. Adjusted EBITDA was down 55% to 110,000 from 246,000 this time last year. And earnings were a loss of about 150,000 this quarter, down from a gain of 336,000 this time last year. So just kind of bouncing in and out of profitability there. Uh, the balance sheet does look healthy with net cash uh, after leases and debt of approximately 5 million. And trailing normalized EBITDA for the 2020 fiscal year is approximately 1.07 million, providing an EV to EBITDA multiple of approximately 58 times, uh, which I would say is getting pretty pricey. Um, you know, even if the company can gear into uh, some growth in 2021. Now, looking at the growth opportunities going forward, uh, the company does plan to open up new clinics in Canada and internationally. And like I said, with 50 new clinics in development in Mexico, uh, it also plans to leverage technology such as e-commerce with walmart.ca, uh, e-prescriptions, patient scheduling, and at-home healthcare to help support organic growth. Now, to conclude on JNH, I like the company has a great partnership with Walmart, which should pave the way for future growth. And it does have an aggressive growth strategy in Mexico regarding the 50 additional stores in development. But I would certainly like to question management and get an idea of what sort of growth figures they are expecting for 2021 and when these additional clinics will actually be operational. Now, I also like that the company uh, has been adding telehealth and online prescriptions to its offering, uh, giving it uh, sort of a little bit of a health tech play uh, as well. Um, and, you know, it's also a benefit that the company uh, can increase its marketing exposure on walmart.ca, which of, of course is of benefit. Now, financially speaking, JNH has a great balance sheet. They have been growing modestly year over year, uh, but it does trade with a pretty pricey EV to EBITDA multiple. Now, all in all, uh, if the company can ramp up growth in 2021, it's interesting. Uh, but you know, I think that uh, it is—it's definitely pricey uh, right now uh, on what uh, kind of uh, income the company is generating. Yeah, no, it's well, an. I that, Ryan. I thought you said this was an interesting company. Um, it's... Well, I thought that it was too until I realized that I had a mistake <laughs> in my way analysis previously. Yeah, it was all me. No, it was not, all no, me. No surprise to anybody, of course. <laughs> I just thought I would. Point no, that it, out. It, I mean, I think it's an interesting business model. Um, the um, you know the fifty companies Less than there. Less a million in revenue for the last quarter. Pardon? Less than a million in revenue for the last quarter. 
Hey, um, I was going on some other valuations that I saw from someone else that I uh, that I have to now take behind the shed and beat. No, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, let's be honest. Uh, uh, you know, there'd be if we interviewed management, some of the questions, if you're doing a growth by acquisition, what I would do is say, how many Walmarts can you go in? How many are you in now? What's the growth runway in Canada? What's the growth runway in Mexico? These are the things that we'd be asking management. Uh, you know, how much, what multiple are you paying for all these? What multiple are you trading at? Sometimes if a company's trading at a high relative multiple for, to the companies that they are actually acquiring, if they can acquire them at very reasonable prices, it's actually better than them trading at really low valuations. Although investing right now, we'd like it to see it. We'd like to see it at a more reasonable multiple in the market. It's certainly a company we'll monitor, but you know, there is a pricey monitor. M- multiple on the stock right now we'd have to see a jump up in terms of adjusted EBITDA profitability before Jack Nathan made our criteria I think that's going to end us off for this week Um, I'd like to thank my co-host Brennan and Aaron for hosting with me I'd like to encourage you to keep sending your questions into our Your Stock Our Take segments to our Ask Us Anything segment and to our, our segments where we do the case for and case against individual businesses or just compare two together send those in and we'll endeavor to get to them over the next podcast okay thank you very much i wish everybody out there profitable investing thanks everyone thanks everyone profitable investing